0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: When it comes down to it, what are we at our core? We are North American Water Welcome to another episode of the North American Waterfowler Podcast. Today I am here again with Jake. He is the owner-operator of the Chasing Green YouTube channel. He's been on, he was on the last episode where we were traveling. We left from Kansas. Elijah, my stepson, and I left from Kansas, picked up Jake in Arkansas, and we were heading down to Louisiana to do some fishing and what i told you on that podcast that we would do an episode that was a return on the return back where we break down our entire trip our thoughts um our emotions kind of how we thought the trip was going to be versus how it played out the kind of fish we caught just any of our reactions elijah's in the back seat here he doesn't we don't have a third mic but if he has things to say we're gonna hopefully get his thoughts and perceptions on the whole trip as well. So forgive the, if there's a little bit of background noise, just forgive us, we are driving. So, Jake, what's going on today? How are you feeling?
2: Oh, pretty good, man. It's been a while since I've been on, so it's good to be back. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, it was, uh, it was, I'm feeling great. It was a great trip, and, and man, it was, or honestly, it was a trip of a lifetime for me. So I, I'm
1: riding on cloud nine right now. Yeah, it definitely, I would agree. It was, uh, there are certain trips in life that years later you're talking about. I know you've heard me reference my trip to Canada. Yeah. Multiple times where we went up to the Boundary Water. And that was like one of those trips. It's like that trip would have been like 1991, 30-some years ago. And I'm still referencing it and talking about it. This was that kind of trip. Yeah. Especially, Jake is a, a lot more idea of the culture of louisiana and he'd been exposed to this stuff a little bit so it wasn't as foreign to him but he had not been on a on this type of fishing trip as well so i don't know how to break this down whether we want to go day by day on the trip or let's uh, look let, first of all i, so I want to start by just giving a shout out to kenny and his stepson tyler they went above and beyond anything you could ask of any of someone hosting people coming in for a trip. I met oh, no. Kenny. I met, huh? Donna. Yeah, and and Donna too. Kenny's wife for sure. Which was uh, such a character, such an amazing, wonderful character. It's Kenny's wife, Donna. But I met Kenny through Patreon, like I said on the um, episode before, but Tyler, Kenny, and and Donna, they went out of their way to show us a, a good time. Jake, what are your thoughts on th- those three individuals? Well, that's
2: what I was going to say about, you know, the experience of the trip. Yes, I had a good time fishing, but I think I would have had a good time building birdhouses with Kenny. He's just <laughs> a great dude. He makes anything you're doing fun. He's just one of those guys. He's full of life. And Kenny's an older older guy, and, I mean, he was outpacing us yeah. by a mile. I mean, he just is full of energy. He's, he's really just... And inspired. he's in a good
1: mood every second of the day. Yes.
2: He's just, He's one of those people that's just inspiring to be around. Yeah. He, may, he picks up your day and yeah. and makes you feel better, and I just I love it. Tyler, he's such a great... He's got that just serving heart. You know, he yeah. really took care of us and made sure we were having fun over himself, um, and their whole family i just loved them and it's like like kenny said you know i felt like i've known them my whole life and uh, and what what's really crazy uh, i've talked about this before is that me and elliot met through you know youtube and online and then elliot and kenny met through youtube and online and it's just we're all here together because of like social media you know people are always talking about the downsides of it which there are a lot of downsides of it but there's good for it too and uh, we've seen that on this trip. I mean, just for all of us to be able to come together and experience this amazing experience just through YouTube and stuff—it's uh, I mean, mind-blowing to me. I wouldn't—if you had asked me ten years ago if I'd be doing stuff like this, I would have told you you were crazy. And uh, it's just—I uh, loved
1: every second of
2: being with Kenny and his family.
1: I did. I did too. Very, very, very much. Um, I'm the type of person that if I'm around people too much. I need kind of need some time where I can decompress and have my own space. I never felt like that on this trip. I, I never did. We were staying in a big, big camper. Um, and Elijah and Jake and I had a little bunk bedroom and everything. So it was close quarters with these people. We showed up Monday, fish little Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And I never, I never felt like, man, I need, I need some, need some space you know i never felt that way they're just like family i mean felt like just being around good family yeah is what it really felt like that's a good way to say that. um so i think we should break this podcast up into a couple parts i think we need to go sometime where we just talk about the fishing i want to talk about the food and i want to talk a little bit about louisiana culture yeah um or maybe we can just tw- intertwine that in i think we should start which one of those do you think we should start with or, Culture, food, or fishing? We'll go with the
2: fishing. I mean, I guess, I, like you said, I had experience with the culture, the food. I grew up with all that. I, I know and love it very well. The fishing, I had not done very much. Uh, you know, we were offshore, we were fishing the marsh. We got to do both, fishing for reds and speckled trout mainly. And, and that was all just new and exciting. And, and it, I'm, I'm, I hate to say it, but I think they've made giving me a new addiction because I I fell in love with it man it's just it's kind of like I love crab fishing and bass fishing and all that but you've done it your whole life there's not a lot of newness to it other than going somewhere new to fish all of this was new it was like being a little kid experiencing stuff for the first time again and and man I I really loved every part of the fishing so
1: right and Kimmy's boat was it I think he said it was 24 foot yeah it's a bay boat the bay boat, 24 foot. He had, uh, I can't remember, 225 horse yeah, Yamaha. Yamaha on it. And uh, so we were camped pretty much right by the boat ramp. Oh, gotcha, sorry. Jake's navigating me here as we go to along the trip so I can get us home. Uh, we were walking distance away from where Kenny would put the boat in. This was a little camp that they rent out for the year They've got their camper there. They've got a little shed for, for the boat. So we would typically get up at about six, have some coffee, never get any real early starts. And we'd hop on the boat and then you'd run down this little canal and you were in just essentially just a marsh. But being from Kansas, there's crab boats, shrimp boats, um, oyster boats, everywhere. So it's like guys working off the land and all seeing all of those boats and everything was really really interesting. Um, and sometimes we, we, when we were when we were targeting trout, which four out of the five times out we targeted trout, uh, speckled trout. Um, and you take anywhere between a 20 minute to 45 minute, maybe even up or an hour, boat ride to get to some of these locations where we were fishing. And Jake, break down a little bit when we're fishing for trout. What methods were we using? Where were we fishing? Kind of get into the the specs.
2: Yeah, well we were running, most of our days were like 60 mile trip days. So we were were making some pretty huge boat runs. But basically uh, we would either go offshore and fish the rigs, like there's oil rigs everywhere uh, out there where they pump oil. But they basically lay down these shell beds um, to support the rigs and that just creates this amazing fish structure uh, if you just picture the ocean being completely just like a desert blank nothing out
1: there and just then you, mud on the bottom yeah just
2: mud on the bottom and then you make this shell reef and these pilings it just creates really good fishing habitat so uh, we would pull up on these rigs there'd be bait everywhere and and just fish all over them
1: yeah, you see little fish popping out of the water all the time.
2: Yeah, and there would be multiple different species. I mean, we we caught some sharks. Uh, we caught some massive bull reds uh, on the rigs. We caught you know Spanish mackerel. There, there. That was one thing. Bluefish. Yeah, bluefish. There was. Uh, that was one thing that was so cool about the rigs is you never really knew what you were going to catch. There was, you know, a chance to catch anything. I hooked into like a eight foot shark. Uh, on the last day, which was awesome. And, uh, but of course he broke off. But then, you know, not only did we go offshore and do that, but we would also fish in the marsh more towards the Gulf, not, you know, high north in the marsh, but we would fish wind blown islands and points just like you would bass or anything else. And, And we really tore them up in the marsh as well. And as far as just specifically targeting the redfish, we did all of that in the marsh. Uh, way back in the marsh which was a completely different experience and I loved uh both of them equally so
1: yeah and um I I loved the trout We did one day for reds and we Elijah caught a couple. I didn't catch any, Kenny didn't catch any that day. The day we were fishing for reds, Jake and what well, you caught three or f- three. lost a couple, caught three yeah. and Tyler caught his limit of five including one really spectacular looking fish but I really really enjoyed the trout fishing because you're catching so many more fish I mean the, the first day we caught 25 well the first evening we've kind of just caught a couple each of small ones then our first full day we caught 25 keepers and then the second day 35 and then the, the I'm missing a day in here somewhere because we fished five days oh we had the day of red fishing. that's right and then the last day we caught 50 keepers and anywhere from 12 to 20 inches using just your regular little spinning reels
2: uh yeah we were using like swim baits very similar to bass fishing as well we were fishing just like a jig head a quarter ounce jig head uh they call them double rigs so you'd basically have two jig heads tied you know to your single line and little paddle tail swim baits coming off those and um so it was just a chunk and, and wind type thing you just cast and you wind it back and we also use popping corks, which i didn't use at all i just I, I don't do good with that i need to be constantly moving but uh with the popping cork set up you've just got a cork and one of those artificial uh paddle tail swim baits coming below it and you just pop it ever so often it's a little more chill way of doing it but it's definitely effective kenny caught a bunch on it um so that was kind of the two methods we use uh, to catch the trout.
1: Yeah, and these speckled trout, I had never seen one, never had one in my hands. They're just absolutely gorgeous fish, yeah. just as all trout are. I mean, having, for me, growing up in Kansas, whenever I catch trout, we're going into Colorado, up into the Rockies. And normally, which I wish I had talked about this kind of fishing in the last podcast, we'd find a little stream and just walk them walk up into the mountains following a stream and look for little tiny pools with salmon eggs and catch little cutthroat, little brook trout, rainbows. And they were tiny. I mean, they are small fish. But I've always viewed trout as just this elegant, classy, beautiful fish. And the speckled trout's no different. Yeah. It's absolutely gorgeous fish. And you get it in the sunlight, you can almost see a little tint of yellow in it. Uh, and they've got these two sharp teeth that come on the you know on the front of its mouth just beautiful 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 fish
2: yeah yes they are extremely beautiful and fun to catch too i mean i I guess i would compare it the speckled trout fishing was a little more like you know laid back everybody's involved and it's You know, especially when everybody goes to catching them, it's fun because literally you get into a school of them and once you get that school fired up, it's just back to back to back. I mean, we caught two at one time, multiple times. Uh, You know, like I said, we're running these double rigs and you can get two on, you know, on the same cast and but once you get it the school fired up and everybody's just catching on that was extremely fun you're just trying to, it's just complete chaos at times and and i i really uh, enjoyed that which you know it was complete opposite doing the red fishing the red fishing was a lot more it was slower you know like me and tyler we fished pretty much all day we, we fished probably seven hours and we caught eight reds but um you know, it, it's more hardcore. It's more difficult, but to me, it's more rewarding. You're you catching this massive redfish, and and it's just a, they're they're two completely different games, but uh, they're both very interesting. And the redfish is kind of considered as the premier. It's the greenhead, right? For sure, it's we, the mallard, <laughs> right? Uh, and uh, and I tend to always gravitate towards that, so I like the redfishing, and probably a little more. Uh, it's just you know it's constantly chunking and winding it's just really the red fishing is just like bass fishing you're in the marsh you're at least red fishing in the marsh not offshore red fishing but you're in the marsh where you are chunking you know the same type of thing but not running double rigs we're using jig heads weighted jig heads with uh, paddle tail swim baits on it and just making as many casts as possible on these grass lines uh broken marsh islands grassy points you know and this is in very shallow water Uh, probably two feet of water is the average depth uh, when we were doing the red fishing. And you would just see them wake towards your bait and absolutely destroy it. And you could also sight fish them, which was awesome. It was really clear. And that's what Tyler really liked. He really liked to be able to see the red and then throw on it and watch him bite it. And I got to do that twice. And I mean, it'll just, it'll get your heart going. So one of my main goals for this trip was a huge red like a 35 plus inch red and i think me and elijah both had one on uh the the second day and we both lost it which was definitely the most crushing part of the trip right? <laughs> yeah right. uh man i wanted to catch that red i probably fought him for two or three minutes and then he he snapped my braid uh but it was a giant red i mean it could have been a 35 to 40 incher and uh, and i mean that's the fish of a lifetime for me so um but yeah, very all very new and all very
1: interesting. The thing I liked about the trout fishing, which Jake mentioned earlier, is you don't no, you don't know what you're going to catch. And all but the last day, I guess the first evening and then the day five, last day, we didn't we didn't catch any reds out trout fishing. But the other days, Tyler caught a really awesome one out by the rigs, a big one.
3: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear?
1: Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Kenny caught the one? Yeah, Kenny oh, caught Oh, okay, it. Kenny yeah. caught it. But every day out trout fishing, we had at least one really good redfish on. And then you're seeing sharks, and I can tell that Tyler and Kenny don't want anything to do with sharks. I'm sure if I li- if we lived down there, we'd feel the same way. Yeah. But having no exposure to sharks, it's like, I want to see them. And there was one that was just swimming around the boat, about a four-foot shark, and uh, I had two speckled trout on and both tyler and kenny were apprehensive that the shark was going to take take those fish and i'm thinking man i can't imagine anything as cool as me reeling in trout and having a shark go after him yeah it's it's, because the experience of that is so foreign to me just seeing that just seeing a shark at all to me is a massive deal
2: yeah and you know, Kenny and Tyler talked about how they don't like to catch sharks, but of course me being me,
1: the first shark
2: that comes by the boat, I throw on it and he smashes it. <laughs> and we're in this like five to ten minute battle. To
1: fifteen minute battle. <laughs> Trying
2: to figure out how to unhook this shark. That I could just see it all over their faces. Yeah, they, were, they were hating it. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't do that anymore, but I had to do it at least once. <laughs> there was no way I was not gonna try to get that shark to bite. So um <laughs> I was hoping I was going to get to get it, take a picture and everything, but
1: there's just too Star much. didn't want any part of bringing that on the boat. Yeah, they didn't want to break <laughs> it on the board, on the boat, so. And that was a small shark. I mean, that was only three, two, three foot yeah. shark, but yeah. still, you had to fight that thing forever. Which Kenny hooked in, accidentally, of course, into
2: like a six footer that came completely out of the water by the boat like when he hooked it at that was epic i like that like that was just cool to me yeah. but I, I i'm like you if i lived down there i'm sure i would um get you know you grow tired of it and you just don't want to mess with it so right. i'm sure i'd be the same way but it, it was new to me too
1: and, and I, it just adds to the experience to me getting to see everything. yeah and with these speckled trout apparently once you get the school going. So when they would catch one, they would immediately drop anchor, but then they're like, all right, everyone get out, get out, get out. Because the more you catch them, the more it kind of brings the trout into a frenzy. And I guess a lot of times when you get them on, they'll throw up. And so then the fish are going after the contents of the other fish's stomach. So it's like, you can kind of keep them whipped up, which was interesting. There's just so many small things. And I was trying to think in my mind, it's like, are we catching so much fish because it's this easy? Or is it because we're piggybacking off guys that just flat know what they're doing? Sure, well I can tell you, I fish
2: long enough to know a good fisherman when I see, it, or I like to think that I have. And I can tell you, they're, they're Kenny and Tyler are both great fishermen. Yeah. Tyler, he's got what it takes on the reds. I mean, he's just, you can just tell they're, they're about it. They pay attention, they're observant, and they know the little things that's gonna take that day. Uh, to, to make it happen and uh, just and out there there's so many other variables like the tide uh, you got to play the tide right the moon phase right the uh, winds right I mean you know strong wind in a decent-sized lakes one thing but strong wind on the ocean that creates six-foot swells is a complete another I mean all these things affect how the fish are going to act that day and I thought it was interesting that you know the windiest day we had was the best fishing, which is also what it's like in, you know, freshwater fishing, it, it just seems to fire them up. But I could tell that last day, which we had the moon phase and the tide in our favor too. We had the strongest tide that day and the strongest wind, which was yesterday, our last day of fishing. But the fish were just smoking it. I mean, they would knock slack in it sometimes. It was obvious, they wasn't just nipping the bait like they were say the first day. Um, and, um, the last day was definitely my best day. I don't even know how many I caught yesterday, but um, we probably caught we caught fifty keepers on the last day, and we probably caught eighty altogether. We threw, a
1: lot yeah, because you catch a lot of catfish, which they call them gas tops. And they're slimy uh, catfish, and then you catch hardhead, which is smaller little catfish, and you catch quite a quite a few of those but we easily caught any fish yeah and we
2: caught a bunch of undersized trout that got to be 12 inches to keep and if they were all, even on the border we would throw a lot back because we had plenty of meat um so yeah i mean the, the last day was definitely my favorite probably and we put it on them buddy every stop we made we we fished in the marsh first on the last day and and probably caught 40 or 50 there and then we went out to the rigs and we didn't catch near as much but we picked up two or three good trout on each rig and i
1: thought that was really cool and that's when jake hooked into we think it was a shark we never saw it yeah but he said it's the biggest fish he's ever had i mean that thing just started spooling line
0: (laughs) And
1: it was there was no fighting it. You weren't in a fight. Yeah, and I'm like telling him, anchor let's follow it, let's see what
3: this is. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's
1: gonna
2: spool me, you know. And they're just like breaking him off, breaking him uh, off. Tyler's like, if you're gonna catch that fish with that
1: pole, you're gonna have to kill him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It'll be five hours later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He did say that's a three and three plus hour fight if you're gonna try to deal yeah. with that fish. And I don't think we're just not rigged up to do it. But when you're out on the rigs, all you, it's just. All you can see in all direction is ocean. Yeah. So it's just a really cool atmosphere because you're right under them and you're looking up at them. If you want to see this, Jake and I both are going to have videos out of this trip. So if you want to see this stuff, make sure and check out um, my videos, Freelance Duck Hunting. Also probably drop a link in the podcast group, uh, North American Waterfowl Podcast Group, and then Chasing Green Channel. We'll have a video out about it as well. But when you're just sitting out on... A 24-foot boat, What? which I know you're barely in the Gulf, but, you know, it feels like you're just way out in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. Which we
2: were probably about four miles offshore. I mean, you could not see the shore.
1: You know, we were that far off. Off, shore, off from the end of the marshes. Yeah. No, we're farther than that. We are at least, yeah, at least seven, eight miles from the end where the marsh hits. Oh, okay. Because, yeah. I mean, you could see the oil rig way off in the distance, and Jake's like, how far do you think that is? And I'm thinking... Two or three miles, and Kenny tells Jake it's actually seven. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we were like seven
2: miles into the Gulf, right. um, which they make a lot bigger runs than that. But that was plenty big enough for me. Uh, that was just a, an awesome feeling, and that's one thing I really like about that area. Like the red fishing up in the marsh, just completely different, and the out offshore, just a completely different game as well. But you can do both out of the same boat from the same place right. and really just do whatever on the same day <laughs> yeah on the same day and really there's just so much to do from that area um and it's all really fun i mean and the marsh is so huge you could like we were talking about you could fish there every day for a month and not come across the same place twice if yeah. you wanted to yeah. and uh, i mean there's just a new place to explore around around every corner and uh course that was awesome for me and we were seeing like dolphins the whole time i really like yeah. that and, and, and at the same time seeing gators so yeah you know yeah. you like
1: you're getting the best of all the worlds in that little area yeah so for for myself just growing up freshwater fishing in kansas it's a just a whole different world it's a completely different different world that i you know obviously seen videos of and but being out there i i, I enjoyed that offshore fishing the most I think just because you just never there's so much unknown to it like oh Jake catches hooks into a shark that just completes a run and you don't get to see it but you're like oh it's just you never know what's going to happen that was about 10 to 13 foot of water, which I was surprised how shallow it is for so long out there. I was too. I was thinking
2: like before I was looking at the depth finder, oh, we're in 60 foot of water here. But it'd be like six foot. Yeah. (laughs) Like is this really um, not near as deep as I thought. Uh, The tides were also surprising. It was a lot harder tides out there than I thought. Like if you... I feel like if we had went down out there, we would not have been swimming against the tide on some of them days. You would have just had to be definitely.
1: Yeah, those rigs the last day, yeah, were totally different tide wise. I mean, definitely, if you were in that water, it'd be it would be pulling.
2: Yeah, there's no an, you, there's you would be swept out to wherever the sea decided 000. to take you. Yeah, but <laughs> if you were not devoured by sh- sharks first, so <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it was just. Um, there's so many variables it would take a while i feel like to really nail down how, what to do on each day but uh i, I really like that aspect of it
1: yeah and i don't know how aggressive the sharks would be to someone swimming they probably wouldn't mess with you is my guess but the number that we saw in the small little areas we were i mean we didn't see them all over the place but we saw plenty of sharks just swim by that place has to be littered with small small sharks, I mean they have to be all over
2: the place. For how many we just saw, thousand percent, yeah. You know they they got to be thick out there. Um, and the bird life was really cool too. That was another thing. Just the pelicans, all the different seabirds, and watching them dive on bait. I thought that was really cool. Uh, it's just so much life out there, and uh, is it's you know of course any time you're seeing something new, it's exciting. So I know you guys kind
1: of enjoy. Discover new species of birds right and stuff. yeah so that had to be cool for you it was luckily tyler does work um for i can't remember the name of his college Louisiana, uh, lafayette, lafayette raging cajuns right and uh he's actually doing work with some people that are studying the pelicans and so he really has a good feel for bird identification out there and that's something that elijah and i love to do so uh, we were able to check off four or five different birds um that we've seen so that that was really cool Elijah I want to ask you a question real quick about the fishing trip what? What's the all right well I was trying to hand you the mic the question is I want you know, I want you to just tell us what was your most memorable moment with fishing what was your most memorable fish or your most memorable moment and then anything else that we've left out uh thoughts or perceptions that you'd like to share
3: okay so i would say my most memorable moment uh would probably be you know catching uh it was on the third day we were uh speckled trout fishing and i caught a like a 20 inch trout and that was the biggest trout of the day so it was really exciting for me to be able to catch uh, like a big fish because like the f- first couple days we were catching smaller trout. They weren't like that big, but then as the days went on, we were catching a little bigger ones. And then when I caught that 20 inch trout, it was just really exciting to see see it and um, be able to hold it in my hands and everything. So that was probably my most memorable moment And, uh, I also, I enjoyed, I think I enjoyed doing the redfish fishing, but I would have liked it better if I caught, you know, a big, like an actual big, like 30 inch redfish or something like that. I caught a couple small ones. It was like, one was 18 inch and the other one was like 19 inches but I still thought that was really fun being able to like actually you know cast little pockets and stuff in the marsh and see if we could catch fish but um, it's way way better fishing down here than it is in Kansas for me because right before this trip I went um, bass fishing in uh, some ponds in a town near our house. Uh, with a couple of friends and we only and we fished four ponds and we only ended up catching three fish and I caught zero so like I was really bummed by about that but then when we came down here just non-stop catching fish so it was just super exciting and fun and I really enjoyed it and I also really enjoyed um, seeing gators because I've never seen gators before and we saw we were able to see a lot. And I also thought it was really cool seeing um we saw a dolphin we would see a few dolphins like, you know, their uh dorsal fin coming out the water, but um they would there was one point where a dolphin actually do dove, like doves like out of the water two times like close to the boat so you could see his full body and that was really cool seeing that so yeah
2: yeah i mean the dolphins exploding on the bait was super cool and also another thing that you know was cool about the trout fishing thing before we move on i wanted to say this when you're with everybody and everybody's catching, you can kind of get in and do the catching. But then if you want to sit back and eat a sandwich, it's still cool just to watch everybody else catch them. It's a very communal thing. You know, it's something the whole group can enjoy together. And uh, I like
1: that aspect of the trout fishing as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's if anyone's catching fish. Now, if you get into a run where everyone's catching them and you're on a real dry spell, yeah, then you need to get one back on the board, you know. But for the most part, it's, it's anyone catches one, it's fun
2: yeah for sure yeah it's it's which you know thankfully none of us really went through many dry spells it was just so much so many fish to be had i feel like everybody did really well so um it was good equal opportunity for everybody
1: yeah so to just sum it up it was for all three of us fishing trip of a lifetime and uh we'll be talking about this one for a long time because even if we even if we try to repeat it it's like everything fell in place with the weather the bite it's going to be hard to even repeat this trip and have as good of a trip
2: yeah the the weather especially i was telling elliot before you know we've got similar weather in arkansas as louisiana which being from the midwest they don't have the humidity out there like we do and so i kept telling him boy it can be rough in june and you know southern Louisiana like you get those heat indexes up to 115 I mean it'd just kill you almost but it was just unusually cool weather and breezy it, we had about as good a weather as we could have possibly asked for no rainouts. you know in the summer you start in the south you start getting those uh, afternoon pop-up thunderstorms from all the humidity and we only had to deal with that one day but we just pulled over and got under some random person's dock to wait out the rain, yeah. uh, which just made the experience cool. Yeah, that was actually
1: fun.
3: Yeah,
2: it was. It was like this nice camp out in the middle of the marsh. And thankfully it had a boat cover too. So, uh, but we, we had just the best weather. The Lord really blessed us with good weather on this trip. And then you add in the people, you add in
1: the food, and it was just, couldn't have been any better. So let's, let's get into the food. Because I know, I, I had never really thought much of... I don't know anything about Louisiana. But Jake does, because he lived a lot of his life right on the border between Arkansas and Louisiana. So, he is all, all about the food. And every time, we had been talking about this trip for probably three months or so, four months. I don't know, a while. And every time I talked to Jake, he kept talking about the food. He wouldn't shut up about the food. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, Donna and Kenny, I don't know if everyone in louisiana knows how to cook like that if it's just like (laughs) yes but they do there's i I have a feeling that kenny still and donna was doing preparations too but i have a feeling that as far as wild game because they were telling me like 90 percent of their diet is wild game yeah and i've got a feeling that that they still a little cut above oh yeah for sure when it comes to cooking that deer yeah oh lord
2: they're the upper echelon for sure but i'm telling you there's very few absolute rules in life But here's one you can follow. Never refuse food from a Cajun. (laughs) Ever. Never. Like, it's always going to be good. Uh, And that's what I kept telling Elliot. He was a little worried because he's not a big seafood guy. He has issues with shrimp and stuff like that. So he was a little nervous on if he was going to be starving this whole time (laughs) or, or, you know, as excited as I was. Because I was really only coming for the food. Whatever happened with the fishing was just a bonus. And I would say it lived up. To all my expectations on the food side of things, uh, the first night we started with uh, fried speckled trout, yeah. and had rice and crawfish étouffée, which, if you've never had that, uh, we it's just incredible. Um,
1: and what else? They had something else that night. I was that the sweet potato night? No, that no? was uh,
2: the the seasoned like cucumber. Do you remember what the
1: other part of that was, Elijah? Yeah, yeah, it was cucumber.
2: yeah seasoned uh, cucumbers. The seasoned
1: yeah and that was mind-blowing um i have never i don't think i've ever eaten crayfish yeah and uh it just with the rice that whole combination and at the end we're going to say what our favorite food dish was but that was fantastic so that was night number one night number two was the deer yeah deer sweet potatoes what
2: else was there which for any of you that deer hunt, uh, this would blow your mind. Uh, basically, Kenny took like a four-year-old buck that his wife shot, 140-inch buck. I'm pretty sure that's the one it was. I know it was a buck. And, you know, most people just talk about how tough the bucks are, how, which that's what I've heard my whole life and how they got a bad taste. But he's got his own marinating method and a tenderizing method and then so he, he goes through this and then wraps it in cream cheese and jalapenos and throws it on the grill. And I'm telling you, I've ate a lot of deer. That was some of the best deer
1: I've ever had in my life. I'm calling it the best meat I've ever had in my life. The best <laughs> meat, that's bold. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was that it not. It, you know what I liked to actually more. And I, this is true with me with some game. The last night where we were just kind of having a leftover night. And he had leftover deer out of there. And I'd already had a bunch of pizza. I couldn't stay away from it. Yeah, It's like, it tasted better to me cold Yeah, two which, days later. Which he said that. He Did said he? that it's better, you know, a few days after. Um, on a full stomach, that that was the best meat I've ever had.
2: But yeah, it was just grilled rump roast, too. This wasn't tenderloin. But I'm telling you, you could cut it with a fork. Uh, just his, his marinating method tenderizes it. He uses a chopped onion in it it's a whole thing i won't go into it here but i learned how to do it from him and i will be doing all my deer meat like that in the future uh, so i may make a video on it if you're
1: interested but uh really amazing deer for sure yeah and the thing about kenny is that he takes his time he he's super successful in everything that he does but he goes at his own pace yep. he was even talking about it today it's like i'm not gonna rush he just does things right in the the way is really inspiring for me to see both he and tyler like how meticulous they are with all their gear it's like they go slow and they go their own pace and they take they worry about all the fine details of everything and then kenny's always in, inventing stuff to add on to it they call it bagnotizing ties it because his last name is bacon yeah, yeah but and with the food it's the same way it's just all these little intricacies with the food that just make it make it that much better
2: yeah i mean just his uh like you said his level of of effort he puts into his stuff he's one of those guys that's going to do everything the right way and the yeah. best way i mean you know just for instance when we come off the water we we're fishing eight nine hours a day yeah. getting beat up by the waves getting beat up by the sun but when we got in, we didn't come in to chill. We came in, we scrubbed reels down with soap and brushes, scrubbed the boat down, cleaned the fish, ran, you have to run fresh water through the engine to get all the salt out of there. You know, the salt plays just, uh, uh, it can wreak havoc on your gear. But just, he's so meticulous. And a lot of these reels were 20 years old. His boat was 25 years old and it looked brand new. Uh, and he fishes out of it all the time. So that just tells you, how much effort he puts into keeping his stuff organized. He really inspired me to yeah. to do a better job of taking care of my stuff and organizing it. And, but anyway, that same attitude and effort goes into his food preparation. You know, he, he spends two weeks preparing his deer before he cooks it, um, and you can really tell. I mean, everything we ate was absolutely amazing.
1: So then the next night was the boil, right?
2: Yeah. the next Give the
1: details of the boil.
2: Okay, so anybody that's ever eat crawfish or anything like that, we just did a shrimp bowl. But if you haven't ate it, basically you you put a lot of ingredients, whatever you like. Usually it's corn on the cob, potatoes, uh, mushrooms. Uh, you put that into boiling water like a big fish on a fish cooker, like a big boiling pot, and then you throw in your seasoning in there, which is usually like a Cajun si- seasoning. Uh, it's a shrimp bowl, mixed seasoning or crawfish bowl seasoning. But uh, you really just put all these ingredients into a pot and then add your meat, whether it's gonna be crawfish or shrimp. And um, and just it takes very short time. You just boil it for a minute or two. And uh, and then yeah, it creates this amazing uh, gift to mankind that is known as a crawfish bowl or shrimp bowl. And either you pour it all out on the table and
1: everybody just starts going to town. Elijah, describe for us what your thoughts were because we've never had anyone boil a bunch of food and just dump it out on a table like that well you describe for us how they did that and what your thoughts were of that specific meal
3: um it was really unique i've never seen anything like that and when they poured the shrimp into the like the bucket that they're cooking everything in it didn't look very appetizing because yeah all the eyes you can see like all their little buggy eyes and everything and it just like i don't know it didn't it just didn't look very good but uh when it was all cooked and ready they poured it out on a bunch of like big old plates and you just sit around the table and then just dig in doesn't matter what plate you pick from you grab corn, mushrooms, potatoes, and then the shrimp. And um, I've never had shrimp like that before, but it was the best shrimp that I've ever had. And yeah, it was really good.
1: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
2: Yeah, Donna picked up the shrimp like right across the road from the camp off the boat that it got caught on that day. So these shrimp were caught the same day that we ate them. And... Uh, They basically just poured them out into these big trays and uh, set those in between everybody. And it's really, like I was saying earlier, when you eat these big shrimp bowls or these big crawfish bowls, it's almost like an event in and of itself. It's like a community eating thing. You're all just sitting around talking, you're peeling, it takes a while, and it's really just, you sit down and you eat for 30 minutes, you know? And it's it's a, a very fun event to share with your closest friends
3: yeah it was really really fresh food and um i couldn't eat that much like i I tried my best to eat a bunch of shrimp but uh jake and tyler went to town and they had just like a tower of shrimp whatever you call them their bodies or whatever just a tower of them and like i didn't even come close to getting that and i was stuffed by the end of eating all that shrimp and stuff and Elliot, he didn't come close to even what I ate. <laughs> uh, you should give him your opinion on what you think about the shrimp.
1: Well, I have always had a little bit of an issue with shellfish. Not, I've, I, I really wouldn't say I'm allergic to it. There's a, there's a texture issue that I've had with it. As far as I, I've never liked shrimp. I've never liked seafood really. I'm not picky, but seafood in general um i steer away from but i'm learning now if i get around people that know how to cook it i've got no problem with it and sometimes i really really like it and the shrimp i did have some i didn't have a bunch there's still a little bit of a texture issue but there is no problem with the taste issue that's for sure but i did gravitate more towards um, they had some sweet onions in there that were sweet they had sausages of several different types of sausages in there there was big potatoes, little round potatoes you'd grab, they would just you pop them open and they had what kind of sauce was that they had with it? Wowie. Uh, Wowie, that's right. Wowie sauce that just was so I highly enjoyed the meal. But the thing I enjoyed the meal about the meal the most was like Jake was saying, this communal eating where you're it's just all kind of dumped out in front of you. There's something that does that creates a bond that you can just feel. It's different than having your own isolated plates, and I, we got to try to find a way to do that, Elijah. Yeah. Of some way where everyone's just kind of picking off the same thing. I can't even quite put it to words, but it, it just—it's. I mean, sitting around and breaking bread is obviously a spiritual. There's a lot about it biblically, and it's whenever we socialize, it's what we do. So there's obvious bonding around this food consumption thing. But when when it's all laid out on the table like that, it's like next level with that group bond yeah you're like all
2: eating out of the same pile and it's just like you said there's definitely a bonding which is i was telling elliot before we came down that you know if i only could pick one food to eat for my last meal it'd be crawfish and uh i love crawfish and that's one regret i I wanted elliot to try crawfish because shrimp's good but crawfish is on a whole nother level and that's what everybody down there was telling him you know crawfish is the pinnacle and we, but we didn't get trying. But that's one thing I love about eating crawfish so much. I mean, it's, I would never eat crawfish by myself. It's not a meal you eat by yourself, it's what you do with your best friends, your family. You're all gathered around this pile of crawfish or shrimp in this case. And, uh, you know, you're having drinks, you're talking, and just, it's, it's such an event in and of itself. And that's what I love about it. But, uh, you know, elijah was talking about the the eyes was freaking him out my mouth's watering when i'm i'm looking at this pile of shrimp you know and and one big thing about being able to eat a lot like me and tyler were doing whether it be with shrimp or crawfish is just having peeled them for years knowing how to peel them quickly you know because i can eat 10 pounds of crawfish in the time a normal person could eat too so if you can peel them quick you know it's not taking you all day but if you're having to sit there and kind of learn how to peel them, you can't really eat as, eat as many as quickly. So um, that's definitely one little tip is learning how to, to peel them effectively. You'll
1: definitely be able to eat more that way. Yeah, I was watching Tyler peel them, and I was just watching how he is. Like, boom, it, five seconds at the most. Yeah. Probably more like two or three seconds. He is knocking them down. Yeah, his, his shell pile was impressive. Yeah. for sure skinny guy can eat like crazy
2: yeah but yeah then uh the next day for lunch as if that wasn't enough yeah the next day for lunch this was just lunch we had alligator burgers which i was kind of skeptical on. i was like kenny i thought it was just gonna be a novelty i've had alligator a lot a lot of people just use alligator as like a a novelty thing to charge you a lot of money it is good meat don't get me wrong but the burgers were absolutely incredible. I mean, they were seasoned perfectly. I, I didn't think it was going to be, I wasn't expecting much out of it, but it really blew me away at how good it was. And it was kind of weird because, you know, you take a bite of the burger and look down, it's like solid white meat. You're eating like a white patty, which was kind of weird. But uh, we had the alligator burger with boudin, like homemade boudin, uh, not store-bought. And, uh, man, that was definitely one of my favorites. What did you think of it?
1: yeah i had had boudin once before i had someone from louisiana brought me up some um, but this one was a little more at the perfect level of spice i don't really i can't handle heavily heavily spiced stuff like if it's fire but all their spices were just so perfect where it was like just leave that little spice in your mouth and the boudin was fantastic the alligator honestly those it was one of the best burgers i've had yeah. just delicious absolutely delicious And um, and then that night,
2: I don't even remember. It was
1: the wrapped trout, the bacon wrapped trout.
2: Oh yeah, Kenny took some of the trout that we had caught fresh, you know, right from that day, and wrapped it in bacon and threw it on the grill, and just cooked it to absolute perfection. I mean, I don't know how many pieces I ate, but
1: and I think that we had the corn macheon or no, we had the beans and the. Green bean potatoes. It oh, was okay. like all mixed together. With the corn was one of the. Might have been with the deer, I think. It was corn mueshawn, or I can't
2: remember what they called it. But it was, that was fantastic. It's it kind of like corn with like rotel in it a little bit.
1: Yeah, but it had some special. Donna was telling me like you dry it out a little bit or something. There's some process to making it. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, it was incredible. yeah and and that was just. I mean, that was so some of the best corn i've ever had and we just breezed past by and didn't even mention it just to go to the level of food tasting that all all of this was so the bacon wrapped trout and then the green bean mixture on the side that that was fantastic as well then the last night we just had uh, some pizzas and leftovers it has been fantastic yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Cajun
2: cooking is just my favorite cooking in all the world. If you watch my Instagram, I'm always cooking duck gumbo. I do that on my Instagram stories, teaching people how to do it. Uh, It's really kind of mixed between a gumbo and jambalaya, but uh, Cajun cooking is a huge part of just my everyday life cooking. And uh, if you ever plan a trip to Louisiana, especially South Louisiana, you need to fully just be open-minded and fully dive into the food culture there. And you will experience some of the best eating you've ever had in your life, I promise you.
1: Yeah. And I think it was the Etafe, was the one Elijah was, because Kenny said, Oh, Donna's making, he texted me this the day before. Tomorrow we're gonna have these Gator burgers and Etafe. And I'm like, what is that? And Elijah looked it up. I think that's the one is that or the that are the pistols. The pistolettes, okay, which we didn't even eat those, those never came out of the fridge. But it, it, in like Wikipedia, or whatever, it said it's a food that's specifically to this area of Louisiana. Yeah. And then all these little Cajun names for these different foods. It's like, why doesn't this stuff get out of Louisiana? Why am I not? Why am I just not hearing about this stuff?
2: And see, that's the thing, though. I've come across so many Cajun restaurants, like in Arkansas and even in other states and you just can't replicate it. It's not the same. If you've you've had it down here, and then you go, the further north you go, the worse it gets. If you try to eat it in some other state with somebody, unless they are a true Cajun, it just, it never is quite the same. And the fresh ingredients is a huge part of it. Like the shrimp wouldn't have been near as good if they had been frozen. Same thing on the fish. You know, the deer is a different story, but like the freshness of the seafood and the crawfish and all that is a huge part of it. Uh, You really can't. It's hard, it's, it's gonna lose a step the more frozen and the further away you get. Uh, so that's one reason why I think that it's not as out there. But like I said, you know, a lot of people cook duck gumbo and stuff. So some, some parts of it do, you know, kind of travel well,
1: but other parts don't. All right, we're ready to go with our favorite food that we, can, how about your favorite out of, let's do this, out of all of the parts of every meal, think of three pieces because i know mine i want to pick for different meals yeah i don't want to just pick one meal i want to pick like my three favorite things that i consumed from those meals you want to yeah. do or you can just say your favorite meal you want to start jake then we'll go to elijah and then i'll Man, that finish it up that's like asking your
2: best hunts i mean they're all great that's that's extremely hard to answer all those meals were incredible um the crawfish etouffee is a thousand percent in there for me um i love crawfish etouffee and cook a lot myself and just it's you can put that on anything it's going to be good so the crawfish etouffee is one uh golly either the tr- probably the deer meat number two and then uh the shrimp bowl number
1: three it's hard to keep it on just three things
2: yeah
3: (laughs) yeah if if i could i would just say everything because everything was so good but um i i think that my favorite three things would probably be the fried fish just because you can't go wrong with fried fish it's really good and that speckled trout was really really good and um for the second thing Second thing is probably the deer meat. That was, like, really, really good deer meat. I've had deer meat before, but normally, like, I just have it, like, there's, like, a place you go, and then they make it into, like, jerky sticks and stuff like that. Just have it that way. And it's, like, good that way, but it, I like it, the freshness of just being solid deer meat, like, fresh off the grill and everything. It's really, really, really good. It's They make it like steak, so it's it tastes like steak, but... It's better than steak, honestly. And then I really, really liked the crawfish etouffee. That was the first night with the fried fish. That surprised me how good that was because I was a little nervous about that too. I never had crawfish before, but that was really good. So, yeah, that's my favorite three things.
1: All right. And for mine, I, I had them already picked out, but then... That last night kind of changed I loved the deer meat, but when I got eating it the last night, a couple days after we had cooked it, it has to be on the list. It just absolutely blew my mind. So I'd go with the deer meat, crawfish, etou- etouffee, definitely. And I've got to stick the gator burgers in there. Man, that's gator
2: burgers were just so fantastic. <laughs> I was thinking that after I said mine, I was like, man, I, I
1: forgot it. were kind of... But it, it, but there was a different flavoring. The flavoring of these foods were just so on point that it made. Because I guarantee you could have a, an alligator burger not as good as those. Yeah, it was some of the flavoring. Same with the deer. It was the extra preparation of the flavoring. It was like the way that that they did it. Yeah,
2: which you know most or a key ingredient part to the Cajun cooking is lots of seasoning. Like you watch, like you know, my wife that blew my wife's mind. When we got married, because I, I do cook somewhat Cajun, and the amount of Tony Sacheries I put in everything was mind blowing to her. But I'm like, this is like compared, to, you know, how the actual, you know, Louisiana people do it a lot. What of was times. that
1: seasoning again? You said Tony Tony Sacheries. Yeah, because we've got because I think they sell that at oh, like Walmart. So we've got to get our hands on
2: yeah, that yeah, stuff. It's called to Tony's. You. It's good right. on anything, just about. Uh, put it on your fish, your duck, whatever. It's it's phenomenal seasoning. Which that's what. Uh, Kenny uses on everything. He just that deer meat. He just covered it in tawnies and bam! You know, you got that good, you got that good flavor. It's one of the best Cajun seasonings I found.
1: Yeah, and like Elijah said, I mean, even to pick your favorite out of all of these is just playing games because on any given night, I wouldn't have traded one dish for a different one. <laughs> I mean, they were yeah. So.
2: But with good food, you know, good food is good food. But eating it with good people is uh, just adds to it and and kenny's got this campground uh that he stays at that kind of these other characters come around and hang out like pete and just people like that there was always people who who also stayed in the campground coming over to hang out it was just this community of great people and and even nate a fellow youtuber came and met us there and just uh, that's one thing that stood out to me you know louisiana people are generally always just really good people and I'd say that was the case on this trip. Everybody we met was so friendly and just uh, so welcoming. It just, we felt like a part of the community.
1: Yeah, that, yeah, this is a great segue into the culture of the whole area. Like Jake was saying, we had people wandering in to hang out and talk from the first night on. And some of them will repeat characters like Pete, which I don't think else, any of us will forget Pete. I mean, man, if you could just sit down and talk with stories with that guy. He's been a tugboat captain. He's been on shrimp on boats, I think he said. I mean, his life is littered with experience. And But the community of these people, and they all have that little None of them had that huge, thick Cajun accent. But they all kind of, you know, THs, they use a D. So instead of there, it's, you know, it's dare kind of can you impersonate that accent at all not really not they, to try they,
2: they draw out their eyes a lot like line it's a tight line you know it's kind of like yeah. that a little bit not i'm not perfect at it but uh a trial you know they kind of like yeah. draw that out a little bit yeah and uh like you said none of them were super thick cajun accents but you could all hear it and all of them. donna has a pretty good name.
1: yeah hers is probably the thickest and man we could talk we could do a whole podcast on donna Oh, man. Kenny's wife is
2: just a hardcore adventurer. <laughs> yeah. She shot 140-inch shot bucks on public yeah. land. By herself. Likes to duck by herself. Likes to duck hunt more than Kenny. Pushes him to duck hunt more. Yeah. Uh, will take a canoe and just go off on her own. I mean, she is a, she's a extremely fascinating lady. I would like to just hear her give her life story on yeah. a podcast. There's a podcast right. for you. Get her to talk yeah. about, like, the early days Um, she said her dad used to take them out and just basically they wouldn't take any food they would just he would make his daughters kill whatever they could to eat you know like um, and i just think all that was extremely fascinating just
1: incredible woman absolutely the culture of louisiana is something i had you know kind of known about offhandedly on the side of my brain but getting to experience it they are what fantastic people and they feel a close-knit they they are tied to each other in a way and i don't know if it's because number one they're so have been through so much adversity with all the hurricanes and and that but they're like a tight-knit family of people And, and i'm sure there's good seeds and bad seeds along with it but Count me in on Louisiana culture.
2: Yeah, and I think you're right. I think they have to be tight-knit. You know, it's a lot of rural areas out there. They've had so many hurricanes and just, you know, emergency situations where they had to rely on each other. They call it, you know, the Cajun Navy. It's like just this group of guys who go around their boats helping people during the hurricanes they're kind of famous you know they're always on the news when a hurricane comes through but they're just they have to rely on each other a lot down there and uh you can feel that you know when you're there watching how they interact with one another yeah
1: and i don't know if everyone in louisiana is like kenny tyler donna pete and all the other characters we met but man if you if you're not familiar with Louisiana and you have not been down there, I highly suggest finding a way to sample this area, the fishing, the food, the culture. Just you've got you've got to get down and try to experience it. So it's it, there's no
2: other place like it in the whole world to my opinion but definitely the united states i mean it's so unique there's some places to fish that are similar but as far as the people the food and all that together there's no other place like it. it's super unique and what i really wasn't expecting it but uh, after being down there in the marsh i really want to get down there and duck hunt now right. i would love to get out on that marsh and uh, and experience what the duck hunt is like down there and then maybe go fishing when we're done it's, there's just so much we could do So. Absolutely.
1: Well, Elijah, you have any final thoughts you want to say?
3: So all I want to say is I feel bad for Elliot. I feel bad for Elliot because he's 50 now and he and he he had to wait till he was 50 to come down and experience, you know, the Cajun culture and the food and everything. And I'm 18 years old, so I'm very lucky and blessed to be able to do this when I'm young and experience that Kind of changed me, uh, and as who I am, you know, and uh, just opened up my eyes to the world down here. And so I just feel bad for Ellie that he's fifty years old and that. He,
2: and
3: that <laughs> well, I just yeah. got
1: a long life of sampling the Cajun culture. Yeah,
2: yeah, I
3: got a long life of sampling the Cajun culture.
2: Yeah, I definitely hope to come back as soon as I can. Uh, I'd like me and Ellie talked about the whole time. You know, it'd be cool to get a little camp down there, just a place to rent, come spend two or three weeks out of the year each year. Uh, I could definitely see myself doing that in the future
1: what's going to happen is uh we're going to strike it rich and in the next 10 years we're going to have a duck camp down here jake yeah so (laughs)
2: if you're not a part of modern elliott's patreon go join now (laughs) (laughs) buy all our merch and and help us get this camp. thank you
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's right well i think this is a great place to end it but make sure you check out uh, by the time this is out i doubt our videos will be out but if you join the North American Waterfowler Podcast Group. When these videos come out, they're going to be there because you're going to want to see these people, get to know them yourself, and hope hopefully that with these videos we can give you enough of a sampling that you'll be able to feel feel it a, a little bit. But that's all we've got. Well, for
2: John, I want to personally thank you for inviting me on this trip. Yeah, um, I wouldn't have got to do this without you, and it just means a lot. And I feel we've been friends for a while now but i feel even closer to you on a big trip like this you either learn if you're gonna be friends with somebody for a long time or not it's either gonna push you apart or pull you together and i feel like you know we're even closer now so i just thank you for letting me come along with you on this
1: yeah well i'm glad i'm glad that you can make it it wouldn't have been you know it wouldn't have been near as good a trip without you here and you know all you're such a great person person you know, you're great socializing. And so you, it's just every bit, even more fun trip with you here without. And I, we definitely should say thanks to Donna, Tyler, Kenny for putting us up and and, uh, and putting us on this experience. Absolutely. So make sure if you like this content, go and give a rating, five star, and let us know what you think. Really, really helps. Until next time, you've been listening to the North American A lot of Power podcast.